Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Go with me if you would to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I am just so thrilled to be back with you and to deliver the word of the Lord. I um, just, I'm kicking off here today. You know, it's the beginning of the year, if you didn't know that already. And uh, fresh start, fresh beginnings, uh, a newness. And, um, you know, we ended the year saying it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. But right on the back end of that, now here we are saying, how are we going to start? And, and starting is important and, and getting off on the right foot. And, and, and I don't want us to be in July and have to make up ground. And, and, and look, this is the thing, guys. Let's not be delusional in thinking that the calendar changes so automatically we do. Amen. You're going to have to help me preach today. I know I've been gone for a little while, but I'm back. And God's got a word. Just because the calendar flipped doesn't mean we flip. We've got to put some things into practice. We've got to put some things in place. And, um, you know, change and, and getting ourselves on a right course, you know, our minds are automatically there. Let's take advantage of this time. But, but what, what you put into practice you know, January 1st, you can put into practice July 17th. I mean, it, at any moment in your life, you can decide, I'm altering my course, I'm changing my path, I'm changing patterns, behaviors, agendas, ideas, and I'm going to start pursuing what God has for me. We can do this at any time. But we're at a point of our lives and in a season of time where the calendar has turned over and now we're, we're thinking ahead. Looking ahead. Probably not anybody in this room that here you are six days in and within the last six days haven't had some kind of thought of goals, resolutions, change, implementation. What do you want to be different? What do I want to continue doing? What am I going to alter? Where do I want to be in 12 months? These are the kind of uh, ideas that just by culture's sake and, and just by, uh, uh, you know, not even with a whole lot of intentionality, our minds go there because that's what this year uh, uh, engenders. That's what this time of season puts within us. And I want to start someplace that I don't think I've ever started in, in my life. I'm 35 years old, and I'll be 36 this year, and in and, and, and those years, I don't think that I've ever said, I'm going to start with my soul. I've either thought of something I want to do with my spirit, I want to be in the Word more, or I want to pray, or I want to be in church more, or I want to develop more godly relationships, or I want to read certain books that are going to build up my spirit, or I've 
implemented things that said, I want to do things for my flesh this year. I want to change my eating habits. I want to uh, get in the gym and work out. I want to, uh, uh, you know, see uh, physical relationships or personal relationships change or, uh, or, or anything of, along those categories. But the one category that I think the church has all too often left out is our soul realm. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 tells us, Now may the God of peace himself, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Everyone say completely. That means God doesn't want any part of you left untouched. God doesn't want to leave any part of you undone, left aside, or that's not given attention to. He says, I want, uh, we pray that God would sanctify you or set you apart or, or consecrate you completely. God is a God of completion. God doesn't leave things half done and, and, and God doesn't uh, leave things part ways. God is a God that wants to move in our lives to a point of completion, a point of fruition, a point of of. of of ending and having everything in place. But this is what he says, and may your whole, everyone say whole, not part, but whole, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Now again, we give a lot of attention in the church world to our spirit, our spirit man, and we've, you've heard us say it this way. You are a spirit. That is who you are. And before you come to Christ, your spirit is dead. The Bible tells us it's dead to the things of God. That means it's fruitless. It doesn't function. It, it doesn't produce results. It's, it's not uh, producing anything in my life. That's my, my spirit, man. But when I come to Christ, it says that all things are made new. Well, that's my spirit. My spirit is made alive in Christ Jesus. Now I live according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. So we have a, or you are a spirit. You don't possess a spirit. You are a spirit. Then he says, you possess a soul. And all of that is wrapped in the body, the flesh, the, the part of us that we do see. The part of us that, that is visible and that we live in and it helps us interact. Now you have to have all three parts to operate and function in the earth. The spirit of a man does not have entrance into the earth without the body, without the flesh. You cannot, a spirit cannot exist in this realm without having a suit of flesh on the outside to house it. And when the flesh dies or when the flesh decays, it goes underground and your spotty to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So your, your spirit is lifted out of this earth, out of this realm into a spirit realm and it does not have access here. So the body's important. The church cannot eradicate the importance and the value of our bodies. We've got to take care of our bodies. 
You've got to function. Your body, sick and laying on a, on a, on a hospital bed or in, or in a, a, a bedroom somewhere, is not affecting or influencing anybody for the kingdom of God. Your spirit man can only function to the degree that your, your fleshly body can operate. So we've got to give attention and got to, got to have a value for taking care of our flesh and taking care of our body. But now there's this realm in the middle. Everyone say in the middle. We have this realm in the middle called the soul. And you've heard this before. Your soul houses or it functions by your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul functions by your mind, your will, and your emotions, that's what you think, that's what you want, and that's how you feel. The soul does. So we're going to take a journey over a course of time. I don't know exactly how long we'll go. We'll just go till the Lord tells us to go. A journey of learning to manage the middle. Middle management. Middle management. Learning to take care of our soul. Learning to take care of our thoughts. Learning to take care of our will or our intentions, our desires. Learning to take care of our feelings, our emotions, insecurities, anxieties. We'll even talk about offenses and bitterness because that all takes place in the soul realm. And here's the thing, the spirit and the flesh hinge on your soul. They hinge on a healthy soul. And what, and what has happened in the church for too long is we have neglected the soul. And when you neglect something, you forfeit its use. When you neglect giving attention to your soul, then we forfeit its use. And I'm going to tell you right now, here at the beginning, I'm, I'm getting this out, uh, the first service of 2019, that everything you want to accomplish and everywhere you want to go and, and everything that God wants to perform and do in your life is going to hinge on where your soul is at this year. Because your soul is where you perceive things. Your soul is where you interpret things. Your soul is where you get an image of something. And, and, and this is the thing that I recognize as a pastor is that what I say is not always what you hear. I just have to deal with that. Because I say something and, and, and let's say there's a hundred people in this room right now. Uh, uh, there's a hundred different ways you could take what I say because of experiences because of trauma, because of pain you've experienced, because of successes you've experienced. And, and so I can make one statement, and I can mean something. I can make a statement from the Word of God, but the perception of it and the interpretation of it will affect the revelation of it. And I could say one thing that will draw someone closer to God and that same statement will push someone away from God. How do I know that's the case? Because it happened in Jesus' ministry. Jesus makes a statement and, and his, the, the disciples and people that thought were his disciples scattered. We don't want nothing to do with this guy. 
So he turns to the 12 and he looks at him and he says, you gonna go too? And Peter speaks up and he says, where would we go? You have the words of life. He didn't say anything different to Peter than he said to the rest, but to Peter, it was life. To others, it was death because of perception, interpretation. God wants to reveal some things to you this year, but he needs your soul healthy. He needs your mind right. He needs you to be able to translate and interpret by the spirit, not by the flesh. And so the soul is the middle ground. You may have heard uh, people say that the mind is the battlefield. The mind is, that's why he says in Romans chapter 12 uh, that you've got to renew your mind. Renew your mind. You'll be transformed in your life by the renewing of your mind. That's how powerful your mind is, that it can actually dictate what you have and how you use it. And so it's, it's in our thinking where the enemy captures us and it's in our, our soul realm where the enemy keeps us separated that we could be right in the very presence of God but yet not receive what he has for us. Because we have unhealthy souls and we have toxic minds and, and we, we allow things to become filters when they ought to be removed completely. And so we're gonna take a journey here at the beginning of this year. And so I want to take you to a man in 2 Kings chapter 5. This is where I'm going to start. And, and I'm going to tell you, this is jam-packed. Holy Spirit, I ask for your help and your assistance today in delivering this word according as it is written and according to how you would have it spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that because I feel the weight and I feel the... Uh, uh, pressure, if you will, of this message, the first message of 2019. I want it to be a staple. I want it to be a landmark. I want it to be a moment and a day you will not forget. And I cannot do that on my own. I cannot communicate the weight uh, and the value and the honor of this word today without the Holy Spirit's assistance. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, I'm going to read from the New King James here initially. It says, now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. It says Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Syria. It says he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. This is a great man we're talking about. This is Naaman's introduction. The first time we're even mentioning, if we stop right there, it's like, man, I want to hear about this guy. I want to hear what this guy has to say. I want to hear about what he's accomplished. What made him great? What made him strong? He's a commander of an army of the king of Syria, who, which, who by the way, the Syrian army was the enemy of God. But God had allowed the Syrian army to overthrow the Israelites because of their disobedience. This was uh, 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 happened many times to Israel because of their disobedience that they were given over uh, to defeat by their enemies. And so the Syrian army is overpowering. And it, look what it says here. It says, 
because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. By this great and mighty man of valor, this man, this warrior, this fighter, this great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, the king of Syria. And, and, and he has performed a lot. He's got achievements. He's got accolades. Uh, if it was in today's uh, day and age, he would have a jacket on with a lot of stars and a lot of stripes and a lot of patches. This man has accomplished something in the realm of victory, in the realm of fighting, in the realm of warfare. He has done his job in leading others into battle and to fight battles and come out victorious. And he's a great and honorable man. And it goes on to say that by him, the Lord performed these victories. But because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. Uh, One translation, I believe it's the New Living Translation, uh, reads... Uh, that the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. And and many of us are like Naaman in the fact uh, that we have some accomplishments. We have some successes. Maybe you're coming out of 2018. I've heard people, uh, I've heard mixed reviews on 2018 so far. I've heard people that said it was a great year. It was triumphant, man. We saw God do some great things. And then I've had other people uh, uh, that have uh, spoken up and said, man, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's behind me. Um, You know, this is the thing, by the way, 2018 uh, and, and what it does for you, Uh, is up to you. It's your perspective. You ever been around someone that everything can be going great and they'll still be a sourpuss? They'll still find something to complain about. They'll still find uh, something wrong with what happened. But I've also, on the flip side, been around people that have had the absolute, uh, if I can just put it this way, the absolute crap beat out of them and they still press on, and they still have something to rejoice about, and they still say, but my God brought me through. He is moving. He's working. I know that it's behind me, and I know better things are ahead. Come on. It's up to you. That's your perspective. And so you can wallow in the mess that was 2018, uh, or you can rejoice in that the fact that you are here. And that God is still working in your life and that he will make all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. If 2018 didn't go over so great, then allow it to be an ingredient in what God is still trying to do. Amen. And so uh, it says that It was because through him the Lord had given Aram. And, you know, sometimes we can struggle with the confusion of what God does through us and what God does for us. Let me explain this a little bit. We have a man, Naaman, who has become identified by the victories that God did through him, but he allowed what God did through him to become the identity of him. And this is a dangerous way to live. Because if you'll be identified by success, you'll also be identified by defeat. 
If you allow your experiences to dictate who you are and what you've become and how great you are, then you'll live a roller coaster of a life when you recognize that God is just simply working through me. It wasn't what he was doing for me, but it was what he was doing uh, for others through me. And I'm just being used as a vessel of the Lord. And I'm going to yield myself and lend myself to the Spirit of God so that he can work whatever he wants to work through my life. And you have to refuse. I think it was uh, uh, Billy Graham that someone asked one time uh, if people that talked bad about him, if that ever got to him. And he said, I don't allow people to build me up or tear me down. I don't live for the praise of man. And I don't live for the curse of man either. Something along those lines. He just decided that, that I'm not going to be up when people are lifting me up and I'm not going to be down when people are taking me down. And if you've recognized anything about our world, our world will build you up only to tear you down. Because they know the higher you go, the harder you fall. And so Naaman here, God is using him and God is, is working through his life and mightily there are, are uh, 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 there's fruit of his labor. There are accolades and achievements that he has accomplished. It goes on to say, but though, uh, Naaman, actually let me go back to the, the New King James. It goes on to say, he was also a mighty man of valor. That means that he didn't just lead people into battle, he fought alongside them. Yes, the kind of leader you want to be. That he's right there with them. He was also a mighty man of valor, comma, but. Everybody say, but. Naaman had a but. Everybody in this room has a but. And the problem is, is that you're sitting on your butt. The problem is, is that you cover your butt. The problem is, is that we don't expose our butt. But his butt was a pretty disgusting butt. I didn't go there, you did. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And this is where we're all at. We're going to start out the year right here, right now. He's a leper. Now, I, I, I don't know the traditions back in this day. When you get to the New Testament, uh, lepers were cast out. Lepers had to be separated. In the Old Testament, and, and as far back as this dates, I don't know what they did with lepers, but apparently there's one of two things taking place. Either they allowed it, because leprosy was very contagious. They had their own leper camps that they had to be in. And, and, you know, there were lepers that approached Jesus by faith coming in amongst the crowd because they're not supposed to be there. So one of two things is taking place. Uh, either they knew it and they allowed it, or that it was in such early stages that it was uh, uh, small enough at this time that he could still hide it. And that's what we do with our butts. 
is we hide them. I mean, he's a mighty man of valor and he's a warrior and, and, and he's a leader of an army. So he's wearing armor. He's got stuff that he can put on to cover his butt. He doesn't have to expose it when he's out among the crowd. But at some point in the day, he has to come home and he has to uh, be confronted with the weakness that is really going on underneath his strength. Now, look, I'm going to tell you today, you want to be like Naaman in the fact that you don't allow your weaknesses to identify you. That in spite of his weakness, he decided to rely on his strength. In spite of his weakness, he chose that I'm going to uh, uh, arise because God is using me and God is working through me. And I'm not going to allow this weakness to stop me. I'm moving on. I may not, I may have some insecurities, but I'm going to get in front of people and they're not going to know I'm insecure. And I I may have some personal struggles that I'm dealing with, but when I'm out front, I'm going to lead and I don't care what is going on with me personally. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And you need to live like that but this is the year that we quit excusing and covering the butts this is the year that we quit going out to battle with all of our armor on showing people how strong we are and showing people how mighty we are and that we find a way to deal with the weakness Find a way to address and attack the weakness. It says that he was a leper. We shouldn't allow our weaknesses to keep us from our strengths. But what is happening is, is when we neglect our weaknesses and when we keep the things covered and keep the things in the back and keep the things under wraps and we don't ever address them, eventually they will get so bad that they will expose us before we can expose it. See, that leprosy in the state that it is here in 2 Kings chapter 5 is not going to stay there. Because it spreads. It's toxic. It will carry not just throughout our body, but it'll carry over to others. And some of us have kept our weakness under wraps for so long, and we've hidden behind our strength so well that nobody knew that it was there. But now it's starting to leak out. And now you get around people, and they're starting to notice there's something on your hand. What is that? And then in worst cases, people that are around you are starting to recognize that you are rubbing off on them. And now they're becoming like you. It's getting quiet. Because, you know, and, and, and it's, it's the toughest thing in an environment like this. Because in church, you're not supposed to have weaknesses. And, and for me and my wife, you know, we, we deal with it on the worst level. People talk to us in Hebrew and Greek and want to speak tongues to us. And we know that there are real struggles going on. But we dress it up 
and we put our armor on. When I'm, I'm going out, I got to have my armor on. I can't have anybody seeing that I'm dealing with that. I can't have anybody know that, that my marriage is in this state. I can't have uh, uh, people know that, that, that I look at that every night. I, I, I can't have people know that I'm struggling. And, 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 and we even end up in positions of prominence and we end up in positions of influence and we end up in positions where we actually are affecting other people. And then we become like Samson where God is still anointing us and we're still performing under the power of God while albeit I'm using it for my own vain glory. That was Samson's problem because he was delusional into thinking that just because the anointing was still flowing through him that God was using him. All the while, he's failing with him and his God. So we have a mighty man of valor, an honorable man uh, that's in, the, in his master's eyes, in the king's eye. He has achieved and accomplished much, but underneath, underneath the armor, underneath, uh, that's the title of my message today is Under Armor. Under Armor. Because this year, this year, we're going to deal with what's under the armor. Because every single person in this room has an anointing on your life. Anointing is not a religious word. Anointing is not a word for five-fold ministers or pastors or teachers or people that know Scripture. Uh, the anointing, you got to be anointed to be a stay-at-home mom. You got to be anointed to be a nurse. You got to be anointed to be a teacher. You got to be anointed to be a police officer. You got to be anointed to go overseas and fight battles for our country. You got to be anointed. Hello? You got to be anointed to be a driver on the road when someone pulls out in front of you. Got to be anointed. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me. We got to be anointed. So we have these strengths, we have these weaknesses. And this is the thing is, God can't heal what we hide. God can't heal what we hide. God can't heal what we ignore. God can't heal what we keep covered up, under wraps. See, God wants to heal. We just read he wants to make you whole. He wants to sanctify you completely. See, I, I wish we could teach this to our young people. That we highlight their strengths and, 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 and our young people are working so hard to achieve something of great stature. But they also have to learn to deal effectively and wisely with their weaknesses. And how do we do that? And so we keep on going here in the New King James. In verse 2, we take a turn. It says, and the Syrians had gone out on raids. Remember, they are attacking Israel. That's God's people. They went out on these raids and they brought back a captive, uh, brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. She brought back, they went and they brought back a young slave girl 
a young girl that was the enemy, a young girl that was a captive and a slave and now is serving as a servant to Naaman and his wife. This is, see, see Naaman is good at, at taking orders from those above, but people below him, he doesn't take orders. He, he don't even take a suggestion. This young girl is not in the house to be of aid to him in his physical disease. She is there to, to, to take care of the housekeeping. She's there to take care of them in the sense of, of serving them and being a slave to them. She's not there to be friends or be buddies or be pals or to be looking out uh, for his well-being at all. But it goes on in the next verse. It says, she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, this is the thing about Naaman. Naaman was great at keeping a distance. Naaman was a phenomenal at keeping an appearance and keeping a presence of prominence. Naaman was a, 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 a great, he knew how to get in front of people and put the show on. He knew how to get in front of people and look the part. He knew how to, and it said that even in his master's eyes, he was honorable and had achieved much. But now, this slave girl there's two things about this slave girl I want you to see. Number one, God uses a young slave girl that is close to Naaman to expose his weakness. He uses a slave girl that is close, or we could use uh, this, this word, intimate, she wasn't intimate with him, but close enough in proximity that she could see what she saw Naaman when the armor came off. She saw Naaman in lights and in places where no one else was privy to except for Naaman's wife. Because she's so close, because she's in a position of serving and being a slave in his house, she gets access to what most people don't. And see, this is the thing, is, 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 is at some point, we will give access to someone that will see us beyond our strengths and see us beyond. But, but some of us know how to keep a distance. And some of us know how to put on a posture and a presence of prominence. And that's how we want people to know us. I don't want people to know my real struggles. I don't want to know, I don't want people to know what's really going on with me. I don't want people to know the, the battles that I fight. I go out there and fight those battles. I don't want them to know about the internal battles. I want them to know that I whip people. That stuff doesn't whip me. But all the while, you're losing. And so to deal with the exposure of a weakness like this, he had to put himself in a position of intimacy. Put himself in a, now, now let, me, let me just make this clear. Uh, before you get out on Facebook, you don't go blasting all your garbage on Facebook. That's not the proximity I'm talking. Oh, Pastor Mark said to expose my weakness. Here you go, world. That's not the place. 
But let me tell you right now, you want to deal with your weaknesses, you can't do it by yourself. And you need to have one, at the most, two. I said you need to have one, at the most, two. That you can expose your weaknesses with. That you can talk about what you cannot talk about. That you can share what you cannot share. Somebody with me today? Come on now. 2019, we're exposing some stuff. 2019, we recognize what's under the armor. 2019, we're going to get healthy spirit, soul, and body. Because the enemy is killing off the church one by one. And they know the word. And they know the scripture. And they attend places like this. And they raise their hands and they sing the songs. But they're dying inside. That's what we're talking about. Number two. She's a slave. Number two is... She's beneath Naaman. Not only is she close to Naaman, but she's beneath Naaman. And I say this to tell you that it's amazing the people God will use to speak into your life. And it might not be who you think. It might not be how you think. I have people ask me time to time. It doesn't mean anything to me. You're a pastor? You're so young. How old are you? When did you start the church? Could it be that a little 28-year-old pastor from Fort Worth, Texas, with no college background or no degree other than a couple years in Bible school where they don't really teach you half the stuff that you need to do this, I'm still in Bible school. Could it be that God could use me? Take you one further. Could it be God could use your wife? Could it be God could use your kids? Yeah, the honorary ones that just play Fortnite all night, all day long. I can't tell you how many times my son has exposed my weaknesses. It's amazing the people that God would use. See, Naaman was used to taking orders from those over him. But the question now is, would he take a suggestion from someone beneath him? He had no problem with someone over him telling him to go and he would go and do and he would do. And he was always in the position as a mighty man of valor and as a a, a man of war. He gave orders. I don't take orders from people beneath me. I tell you what to do. And now at the suggestion of a young slave girl, you ought to go to Israel and see the prophet because he could heal you of your leprosy. And this is the thing. We all have stuff that we know needs to be healed. And we all have things in our lives that we know need to be taken care of, need to be addressed. But the question is, will we really do what it takes to get it taken care of? 
And the soul realm is, 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 is where this all comes. This is the perfect storm because the soul is where you unveil what no one else knows. And the soul is where you are keeping things that, 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 that you know you shouldn't have going on. And the soul is where the devil will bring condemnation and guilt and shame and say you're worthless for thinking that and you're worthless for doing that. And God doesn't even love you. God doesn't even see you the same. You are so far off course. That's in the soul because your spirit is renewed with God. You can't change that. In your spirit, you can't be any more saved than you are the day you prayed the prayer. It's done. It's final. Your flesh cannot be saved. There's no hope for it. Paul said to crucify the flesh. He said, I die daily. I beat my body into subjection. There is no hope of getting your flesh and your body in alignment with the things of God. But now your soul, it can hinge one way or the other. It can go to the things of God or it can go to the things of the world. And whichever direction your soul goes, you go. And so the devil knows that. And if he can't take away your salvation, he will sure keep you from enjoying it. Okay. So they're saved. Well, I'll beat them over the head with condemnation so hard, they'll never know what it really means to be saved. They'll never get to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom that, they're now, that they now belong to. They'll never get to know a fully uh, uh, productive relationship with their heavenly father because I'm going to put a wedge between the two. And they'll never get to know the reality of their salvation because I'll defeat them in their soul. And so now it's a question of what will we do in that realm, in the soul, middle management, so that we can live fully to the things of God. So now we have this young slave girl. She's close in proximity. His weakness is now exposed. And, and notice also that the girl was able to point him in the right direction. If you're just around people that you vent to and they sympathize with you, but they don't really offer any help or solutions or get you on the right path, then you need to get away from that group and get around someone that's going to tell you something you don't want to hear. Get around someone that is going to tell you no sometimes. And get around some people that are going to say, you blew it, you missed it, I'm here to help pick you up, but we got to correct this. Do not get around people that will pet your flesh. The devil would love nothing more than for you to hang around people that are as weak as you. Are you hearing me? I mean, do we want to get better or do we want to get better? So would you listen to someone beneath you, below you, under you? Because God will use such to guide you and direct you. She said, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. She's talking about Elisha. She knows. For he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus said the girl, 
who is from the land of Israel. You ever played that telephone game? I mean, I wish it didn't just say thus and thus said the girl because what the king heard is not what the girl said. What the king heard is not even close to what the girl said. And we find that it allows Naaman to stay in a state of victimization and stay in a state of blaming and pointing fingers because that's what we do when weaknesses get exposed. We want to highlight someone else's weakness and find someone with a greater weakness than our weakness. That's what we do. Our weakness gets exposed. And we think because we're six days in the year and, and, and I've read six days of this Bible reading plan that now I can go onto Facebook and judge everybody that's not reading their Bible reading plan. Hello? And so, there's a problem here because the girl whispered in Naaman's ear, we're having chicken for dinner. And the king comes back with I'm dying of cancer. There's a translation issue going on. Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Verse 5. So then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. That's not what the girl said at all. There's a problem. This is what we do. And, and look, what, look what Naaman does. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothing. Why? Because he's a great man. And you know what? Even when our weaknesses are exposed, and even when we might be on the right path to get healing, there is still a tendency to do it in our own power. He's a great man. I've got wealth. I've got clothing. I've got things to give. I will buy my healing. Why didn't I think of this sooner? The first thing you have to learn or recognize about your weakness is you can't heal it. If you could, you would have. You would have. You would have stopped a long time ago if you could. You would have quit talking to people that way a long time ago. You would have started doing that a long time ago. But the whole point is, is that it's a weakness in a realm that God has to touch and God has to change and God has to do a work. And so many times we try to do God's job our way. That's what he does. We know that God can heal, but I'm going to tell God how to heal me. I'll tell, him, I'll tell God what I'm going to do and when he's going to do it. Hello? Are you still with me? See, he wants to use his skill rather than his faith. And this is where a lot of us get off is we want help 
and it's been exposed, and now we want to reach out, but then we still want to try to do it on our own because I would rather use my skill that I'm comfortable with than my faith that I'm not comfortable with. I would rather do it in my power rather than believing in God's power. It's ultimately what this comes down to. You know, it's amazing the expense that we will go in our lives to not live by faith. I mean, he's paying a high price. He's paying a high price. That's a lot of money. One of the translations actually tells you the weight. It's it's a lot of money. Because they didn't do it in denominations. They weighed their money, and it was a lot of weight. And then all the clothing? I mean, he's willing to offer up a great expense for his healing, all so that he does not have to live by faith. So I don't have to believe that God will do it. I know what I can do. I know what I can accomplish. And we'll pay a price that God's not even asking us to pay. All the while, we won't pay what he is asking us to pay. I hope so much that you are getting this today. So now he's going to try to do it in his own strength. Verse 7, and it happened when the king king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and he said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man for me to heal him of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. All because the translation and the interpretation got all riled up and all messed up. People didn't know what was being said and how it's supposed to be said. Now the other king, Because any confrontation that he has with the king of Aram is always conflict. So he's immediately thinking, he wants to start a war. This guy's looking for a fight. We almost start another war on top of the war we already have, all because people don't know how to communicate right. Did I just talk about your house? Your job? Why'd you tell the boss that? I never told, I never said that about the boss. Why'd you say it that way? I thought that's what you were saying. Right? This is real life stuff. And watch this in in verse 8. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, I like how it states that. We need some men of God. Hello? We need a man of God and a woman of God that will have a right perspective. Elisha is healthy. Elisha in his soul is in a position that he can see this for what it is. And so the king hears that a man has leprosy and is being told, you need to heal him, you need to restore him. But Elisha, thank God for Elisha. He's able to step in and he says, when he heard the king of Israel torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. You want to be that person. When one person sees opposition, Elisha saw opportunity. This sounds like an opportunity for the glory of God to be revealed. 
This sounds, I know to you, it sounds like war. It sounds like they're calling you out. It sounds like they're picking a fight. But I'm telling you, this is an opportunity for me to show how strong my God is. Send them here. Send them to me. We need some people this year that will not just see opposition, but you'll see opportunity. But see, it's all about how you see it. What you see is all dependent on how you see it. And so you got one man that he's automatically resorting to his past experience. They attacked me before, they're attacking me now. But Elisha is a man of God. And Elisha says, no, they're not attacking. This man is really struggling. This man needs healing. Bring him to me. But you got to be healthy in here. Same situation. They just saw it differently. Same situation. But Elisha saw something different. Let's keep going. Verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and his chariot. I mean, this this passage does not refrain from, from continuing to build up Naaman as this man of prominence, as this man that he's got the stuff. This man is a warrior. This man has his coverings. Now he's there at the house of Elisha. He's there with his chariots. He's there with his horses. He's there with his men. He's there with his army. He's there with his, his group. He's there with his posse. He's there with all his clothes. He's there with all his... Naaman has got the stuff, man. And so now the prophet of Elisha has said, you come see me. And he says, come on, guys, we're taking all this over here to the prophet. And the prophet's going to know that I'm a man that worth healing because I've got all this stuff. And that's what we do. We try, we'll hold on to any covering possible so that we don't become fully exposed. We'll allow people to know what they know. But we won't get fully unveiled. I still got my chariots. You may know I have leprosy, but I still got my armor. You may know I got a little skin problem going on, but I still got my money. You seen all the money I brought? I got the money. I got the clothes. You seen my Gucci? My Louis Vuitton? You seen it? We're always trying to hold on a little bit because it's our identity. It's all we know. I don't know how to live life exposing my weakness. It gets good. We're not even, we're not even done. So Naaman went with his horses and chariot. He stood at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger. Uh-oh. Sent a messenger to him with instructions. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Now, let, let's remove all the context. Let's remove who Naaman is. Let's remove how far he's traveled. 
about 90 miles to this area of Israel. Let's remove what he's willing to pay. Let's remove all the money, all the clothes, all the army, all the chariots, all the horses. Let's remove the fact that he's a great and honorable man. If you had a disease, you had a disease, and a messenger of the man of the Lord came and said, look, all you got to do is go and wash in a dirty river seven times and you will be healed. You'll be set free. You'll be delivered. That thing that is that weakness that you don't want anybody to know about, the thing that you struggle with, the thing that every night when you lay your head on the pillow, you say, I wish that I didn't have to deal with this issue. I wish I didn't have this problem. I wish that this would just go. If you, if that's all you had to do, you would do it. Such a simple instruction. Now, Bill answered correctly. The rest of you, it's what we think we would do. Mr. Bill's probably been told to go wash in the Jordan seven times, and he didn't do it the first time. Speaking from experience. Because in just the instruction alone, it's very simple. That addiction will be gone if you just simply do this. That habit will be, it's gone. The thing you keep turning to, it's no longer a problem. If it was that simple. But what messed naming up wasn't the instruction. It was the expectation. Because this is what we do. Is anybody in this room right now believing for freedom or deliverance or being set free or, 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 or a health in, in some area of your life, whether spirit, soul, or body, whatever it is you're believing for this year, you have conjured up some way, somehow, an expectation of how it will go down, of how your marriage will be mended this year, of how your finances are going to be restored this year. It's not that the instruction from the man of God was hard. It's that it was different. I really wish you'd help me preach this thing today. This is what I expect on January 6th. We still have our coverings. I understand. But I'm hoping over time and throughout this series, we'll begin to, to let that go. Because everybody in here on January 6th, 2019, and even for those of us that came to church, because I know it's the first Sunday of the year, and I know I'm supposed to be there, and, and, and whether you continue this habit and continue this progression this year, that's up to you, but... but, but but, but, but you're here today with an expectation. And I'm going to tell you right now, what God is going to ask of you this year, it won't be hard. Worship team, if you come. It's probably going to be different. It's probably not going to go the way you think it'll go. Again, going back to the price 
He came prepared to spend bukus of money. He came prepared to give a lot. And I'm not saying anybody in here thinks it's going to come easy. But you have a price in mind. You have an idea in mind. You have a concept in mind of what it might look like. And then when God, through the course of this year, begins to lay out what it will really cost, even if it's less than what you are willing to pay, will you reject it? Look at the words as we continue to go on. Come on, I want you to get this. Please lock in with me. I know we're a little bit past what we normally do, but lock in with me. In verse 11, but Naaman became furious. Naaman became furious. Come on. He just gave him the answer for what he was believing for. He's standing on the doorstep, not just of Elisha. He's on the doorstep of his miracle. It's one step away from walking in complete freedom, complete deliverance. He's one step away from walking in what he's been believing God for. You've been standing. You've been believing. You got on the right course. You got people around you that are helping expose your weaknesses and helping expose. Hey, man, I know where to point you. I know who can save you. I know who can change you. Come to church with me. Get in the Word. Let's study this thing together. I'm going to walk this through with you. I'm going to point you in the right direction and you get all the way up and the instruction of God comes for 2019 and it says he became furious and he went away and he said indeed I said to myself one translation says I thought Where's the thought take place? The mind, the will, the emotions, my mental capacity. One translation says, I expected. I'm not telling you not to have an expectation this year. That's not what I'm expecting. That's not what I'm telling you. You need to have an expectation of what? at the expense of the how. I said, you need to have an expectation of what? God, this is what I'm believing for. And you stamp your foot on it. I'm believing my family will be brought back together. I'm believing my kids will keep stop running away from God and come back to the house of God. I'm believing that my marriage will be put together. I'm believing. You've got to know what you're believing. But don't get caught up on how it comes to pass. says, I said to myself, he will surely come out here and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He had it down to the T. I mean, he imagined it. He pictured it. He saw Elisha coming out. 
Oh, you mighty man. Lift your hands. And pull up any hand on him right there. Wave his hand over the leprosy. And he'd be healed. Just like that. And I'd give him my gifts. And I'd come in here with my army. And I'd come in here with my chariots. But instead, you mean to disrespect me even further by not even showing up when I come here? What's he saying? It's all about me. You mean, you mean I need to go and dip in the nasty river, the Jordan? I mean, where I come from, we've got the, the Abnar and the Far, Far, and, the, uh, uh, and I'm not making that up. That's what it says. I mean, at the very least. See, it's your ability to relinquish control this year that determines how much of God you receive. He's trying to dictate this thing all the way down to even what river I dip in. And that's what we do. I said to myself, he will surely come out here and he will stand and call in the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abna and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? I mean, don't you think God knows what river to put you in for you to get your healing? But you will still do it. You will still dictate You will still control. You will still tell God what He should do. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So He turned and went away in a rage. He turned and went away in a rage. Now look what it says. His servant. This servant here, double his pay. Get this guy a promotion. And again, he's having to submit himself to someone beneath him. His servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? Because see, Naaman, he was used to doing great things. But he wasn't used to doing small things. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. I'll go ahead and give you the ending. He has a change of heart. He has a change of thinking. He goes down to the Jordan and just as Elisha said, dipped seven times and he received his miracle. Will that be you this year? Will you be able to say I did just as the Lord spoke and I received my deliverance. Received my healing. Received what I was believing for. It wasn't that the 
price was too great. It's that the price was too small. I wonder what it is that the Lord will have you do this year. And it might not seem great, but it might seem small. It might seem beneath you, below you, under your pay grade. I'm a man of greatness. And as long as you continue to identify with your strength, God can never deal with the weakness. But he said, in your weakness, I'm made strong. I don't know about you, but this year in 2019, I'm not going to make it to December 31 because of my strength. I'm going to make it because of his strength. And I'm going to make it because I give my weaknesses to him. And I say, God, you can have all of it. You can have control. You can dictate. You can govern. You can rule. I make you Lord over my life today. I give you full control. I let you into uh, access into the places that I've hidden, that I've kept far away, that I've not allowed people to go, that I've not even allowed you to go. But I give you access even to the depths of my soul I will not forfeit what you have for me any longer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website, at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church Podcast.